Hello and welcome to Briffa Soundbites. Join us as we explore the wonderful world of intellectual property and how all businesses, regardless of sector and size, have IP to be unlocked and used to expand and grow the business. Hi, I'm Mohammed Khan and in today's episode we are joined by Jeremy Stern. Jeremy is the CEO of Promo Veritas, the global promotional compliance consultancy. Having led the way in marketing and promotions at the likes of BT, Coca-Cola and Sega, Jeremy can be described as nothing short of a master of the world of promotions. It is no wonder, therefore, that his brainchild, Promo Veritas, has helped thousands of companies in over 60 countries in ensuring that the promotions, promotions that they run are fair, legal and compliant. Jeremy, pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us. It's good to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Jeremy, I suppose to start with, I mean, I've, I've touched upon your background, um, which is clearly focused on marketing and promotion. I mean, as I mentioned, me as a promotions director um, for Coca-Cola, as a marketing manager for Tesco, or the head of affinity marketing for BT, uh, you clearly have focused your career in marketing um, what what's led you to the world of marketing i suppose uh, i've always been a little bit of an entrepreneur uh, at school i ran the school tuck shop um, i then when i was i remember when i was 12 i ran a little business with a pen friend in france which was importing little bangers from france i discovered them when i was there with my pen friend and thought they would be cool and uh, you buy them from a for a cent in france and sell them for a, several pence over here um, and that business went well until HMRC and until they uh, uh, knocked on the door because I was importing explosives in the post. Oh, really? Um, so I'd always had that entrepreneurial streak. But when you go to university and you think of a job, you can't suddenly become an entrepreneur. And certainly this was before the days of the internet and, and, and everything that that enabled. So I ended up um, with a job at Unilever uh, as a marketing graduate. And that's, that was then the University of Marketing. And for me, marketing is always about general management. It's about leading the company. It's about initiating and innovating. And that's what I enjoyed. So I did my years at Unilever, working on flora margarine. Uh, I then moved to the Midlands and I joined a company called General Foods that ran Master, uh, Master Blend Coffee, uh, Maxwell House Coffee, Cafe Haag, Angel Delight. Uh, and I enjoyed a good time there, um, launching Kenko, which is now the number two coffee brand in the UK. And then I moved to Tesco um, to take my, my experience even further. When you're a product manager, you're extremely blinkered. All you ever think about is your product, Kenko Coffee, in my case. I don't even drink coffee. I spent four years having to force myself to try tastings. And then you go to a retailer like Tesco, and you're up in, it's a bit like being up in the clouds in the satellite looking down on the earth. And there you have to take a much broader view of life, um, whether butter is going to be selling more than margarine um, what's going to happen in the milk market semi-skim versus half half fat milk um, those sort of decisions and I fa found it fascinating is it is it those challenges that the, the fast-changing environment of, of the industry is that what what what's kept I, you? I love the fact that I was able to change things yeah um, when I joined Tesco everything was labeled semi semi-skim milk what the hell is semi-skimmed mm. I don't know I, I didn't know, and the public didn't know because I tested it. So we changed it to half-fat milk. Yeah. Um, uh, and you're able to see the fruits of your labor on the shelves, and people buy it. 
And clearly some of the experiments that you do and the products you launch don't, don't work uh, or they're less successful. You pull them, you learn from that, you move on to the next one. It's about being the powerhouse, I suppose, uh, and the innovator. Yeah, I mean, you speak about the change that you've led. I imagine over um, your experience in the industry, the, the industry has itself changed dramatically over time. Is, is, is that right? Do you yeah, it's absolutely radically changed. Um, most of my time I've spent in food. Uh, and clearly supermarkets are, are still the preeminent, but about 20% of all groceries are now um, home delivered uh, in some shape or form, whether it's by Amazon or Morrison's or, or Ocado. Uh, so that's clearly a change that I, I must admit I didn't anticipate at the time. Um, uh, uh, but the, the core essentials of what we eat are still largely the same. Mm. Um, so that hasn't changed. Uh, and I moved into the world of promotions specifically rather than marketing at a broad level marketing will cover public relations advertising um, product development and promotions which get people to buy the product and i moved into promotions because i felt it was more measure measurable um it's very it's very real it's tangible um when you run a campaign on andrex to collect five five tokens and get a, an andrex puppy you can feel and see the results you get sixty thousand people entering and you can see the change in your sales whereas advertising is much more ephemeral and longer term. And I liked, I suppose, that immediate kickback. Yeah. And clearly it was it was the world of promotions that really inspired you to, to create your own business, Promo Veritas. Um, I mean, what what led you to, to enter into that market? You obviously had, had a, a very successful career. You worked with many multinational companies, but you took the leap um, to... to begin your own company what what inspired you to do so i was pushed um no i've been working for three years at coca-cola and i was european promotions director for them so i i oversaw um, all the activities that nine countries in europe were doing whether it's the world cup the olympics the euros or whatever i kept an eye on all of those um and then i was uh, invited to become marketing uh, and at that time i joined the trade association okay. the institute of sales promotion and i was uh, their representative on the Advertising Standards Authority Board. Uh, um, and that is the self-regulatory body for marketing in the UK. Uh, and they have uh, the CAP code, Committee for Advertising Practice. And that code is basically the rule book that the ASA run their adjudications and rulings against. And I was involved in the code rewrite of that. And at Coca-Cola, I could see that we weren't running things right. Uh, that prize draws, uh, the selection would be done by the office secretary. Um, competitions, well, we'd half-heartedly look at the entries. Um, and maybe that meant we looked at half the entries and not perhaps all of them, um, because it, we were tight on time. We had to complete it by tomorrow. Um, and I felt that, that just wasn't right. That wasn't in accordance with the rules. And I'd seen that bad practice in some of my other companies. Okay. Um, from Coca-Cola, I, I made a move to Sega, the games company, to be European marketing director for their Dreamcast platform, uh, the console. But that lasted about 18 months before Japan took the decision to close the console business worldwide. The competition with Sony was too much. We were at £200 and Sony was selling their first stage PlayStation for £69. And Japan refused to allow us to drop our prices. So sales plummeted and they closed the business. And I was out on a limb. Um, so you ask what made me do it. It was not quite desperation. But do I want to get another jobbing uh, job? in mainstream yeah. marketing, or do I want to try something new? And I'd had this idea uh, from the days of Coke that of creating a business that would do the right thing, 
for brands. We wouldn't be the creative engine. Um, everything would still be done by the brand or by their creative agencies, but we would be the back-end guys. I envisaged it a little bit like your computer that's in front of you now. Um, it's a Dell or it's an Apple. Well, no, not an Apple, it's a Dell or it's an HP. And it's got a little sticker that says Intel inside. Right? You don't know what it does. You just trust it. Mm. And I wanted to be the Intel inside of promotions where we do all the gubbins. We just make whatever you want happen and make sure it's kosher, it's legitimate, it's fair, it's, and it's compliant and in accordance with the rules. Um, and that's what I did. Um, Coca-Cola was one of my first clients, fortunately. Um, although now we work mainly with Pepsi and, and their brands like Walker's Crisps. Um, and we would run prize draws. People would give us their data. Um, we would then I would then conduct the prize draw, send them back uh, their results and a certificate saying it was all legit. From there, we did competitions. Um, so we would get all the, the entries, whether it's a poem, a picture, a drawing, a puzzle, whatever. Uh, we would then select the winners, work with the client on finalizing them to make sure that they were happy, then issue a certificate to say it was all legit. And from there, we moved on to being Willy Wonka. Hmm. Uh, you may have seen those golden ticket promotions, whether it's the Hunt the Cabri Cream Egg promotion. Yeah, yeah. Or we've just done one with Jammy Dodgers, where it's a, a purple Jammy Dodger. If you find it, you win £10,000. So we moved on to doing those. And so we would be uh, creating those winning packs uh, in the factory and then driving around the country, literally dropping them off in reverse shoplifting into supermarkets. Um, and then came a fateful day when a client says, we love what you do here. Can you do it in France? Right. And I went, yes. Uh, used some legal contacts that I had, found out about the laws over there. And from there, we now operate in about 70 or 80 countries around the world uh, for major brands. So whether it's uh, an Amazon um, sweepstake that we're running in Mexico uh, to something for Energizer in Thailand, Vietnam and in Indonesia. Uh, we found out about the laws, we know how to operate and we have the, the people and facilities to run them. Amazing. Uh, you've made it sound so smooth sailing as this marketing guru enters a niche in the business where, where there's nothing to, to essentially ensure that promotions are run in a compliant manner. And from there, your your business has boomed. But I imagine that may well not be the case. Were there any challenges that Promoveritas faced in, in its early days? Oh, a number of challenges. Uh, the first one is the emotional challenge of being on your own. Uh, I'd always worked for large organizations. I'd never needed to, or, uh, to understand about VAT or the workings of the finance um, or doing P&Ls. Uh, that had always been done for me uh, by uh, other departments, effectively. Uh, then there was the challenge of income. Uh, you go from a six-figure salary to not an awful lot, and you have to work your way back up, uh, and that can take time. Uh, and the other one was basically ignorance, uh, in that whilst I knew the details of the cap code, and that 8.24 of the cap code says if you're running a prize draw, you need to have the winner selected at random and under the supervision or conducted by an independent person. But very few marketeers would know that. And they were still getting the office secretary to pick their winners or their agency. Um, and the same with competitions. You need an independent judge. And the same with uh, golden ticket instant wins. There needs to be an independent audit to show that those winning packs have been fairly and randomly distributed. Um, very few marketing brands or agencies uh, would recognize or know those rules. So education was the primary challenge. Yeah, uh, Had to get out, get out, go out and meet people, run seminars, um, talk at events. Uh, in order for people to realize 
that there was a need for our types of services. Interesting. Uh, what we've found often is is the uh, almost the challenge is that uh, when individuals do find out that these things are important in the world of intellectual property, making sure you're not infringing anyone else's rights, making sure you're not using trademarks which belong to another person and, and you don't have the right to use, um, those those issues are often overlooked at the early stages and, and we're approached at a time when the infringement has occurred. Um, it seems in your case, it's really important that you can get the word out there sooner for, for you to come into the, the promotion sooner and manage it from the start to, to really ensure it's the, compliant. The earlier we can get involved, the better it is. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, however, the nature of, of some of our aspects is that we can get involved even once the promotion has started and run and even completed. Because if it's conducting a prize draw, uh, then that, that's at the back end. And we can just do that bit. But increasingly now, we will be involved at the early stage. So we will um, guide, we call it shaping, uh, and then implementing the, the, the promotional campaign for a brand. Um, so it might be telling them how to construct their prize their prizes. Uh, if you've got a budget of 100,000, do you give one prize of 100,000? Do you give 10 prizes of 10,000? Or do you give 100 prizes of 1,000? What is better? What, what results are you going to get? Do you promote on Instagram or do you do it online? Uh, so we'll help them to shape that concept at the early stage. Um, we also have our own in-house legal team, uh, headed by a 15-year qualified lawyer, and we will then write and draft the terms and conditions. And that evolved really because uh, we want terms and conditions that the consumer will understand. Um, none of this, the party, the first part hereafter known as. We always use you. Yeah. Uh, we try to make things consumer friendly. And because we understand the mechanics of promotions and we understand what can go wrong and the cheats and the scam and the scams that consumers will try to put onto brands, we know how to phrase our terms in a way that, I'll be honest, most regular law firms do not. Uh, they overcomplicate matters. So that's our, at the beginning, and then we do our, our magic at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of what, what you're um, telling us uh, kind of brings back memories as as, as an ex-employee of Promo Veritas and the legal team, so it's all, all really interesting. Um, another question I, I really wanted to ask you was, was given the current times, the uncertainties we've faced over the last few years, I mean, Brexit, COVID, it's all affected um, how we live and, and I suppose how companies market and promote their products as well. Um, you have the advantage of often seeing promotions in their infancy at the start of, of, of the concept of the idea. Have you seen any changes and have you seen companies really adapting to, to the changing world? Yeah, Promo Veritas has been around for 20 years. So we've seen some ups and downs in the economy. 2008, 2009, for example, was a downer. Uh, and Promo, we tend to do well in, in, in bad times. Um, advertising budgets tend to get cut uh, when times are tough because that's all up in the clouds. It's long-term brand building. Whereas the sales promotion, the hard-nosed, buy this, get this, win a chance, they tend to do well because they're much more measurable and they're tangible. And the supermarkets like that, so they give them more support. So we have actually found um, uh, during COVID uh, and in, in the last six months that our business is up. So we're up 26% uh, uh, year on year and up 48% over the last two years. Um, uh, so as things were tough with COVID and now they're tough on, on the economy, uh, we are still finding that we are winning good business.
because promotions are things that deliver. And more importantly, the consumer wants to win. No. They are interested in winning. Now, what changes we've seen is the mechanics. So online is much more popular than texting or and posts. You know, we don't do any postal entries anymore, really. Uh, and what people win has changed. Holidays were the big thing. Four or five years ago, aspirational holidays were the top on the list. But now it's cash. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, that's quite interesting. So it seems as if maybe the world of promotions isn't, a luxury in marketing it's it's actually a technique that 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 will be used despite the the economy of the challenges it will use be, be because of the challenges of the economy because the public are keen to win they need to supplement their income mm. so whilst uh, we can't exactly track track the number of promotions that are out there it's just too difficult to do so um, the value of the prizes that we're on offer and more importantly the number of people entering them that we can record has gone up so for a typical promotion where we can assess what it was like two years ago and now we're seeing a 10 20 percent increase in the number of people entering because they want the money yeah awesome and and can i just ask your your experience and you've you've delved into your experience and how you can you can use that to help your clients um i mean we we see in on the market marketing front we see businesses approaching all kinds of tactics to to bring their name out there to be spoken of some in positive terms and some not so positive. I mean, I, I, I was looking at examples earlier and one that came to mind when I was younger was Yorkie, the, the, the chocolate bar. Um, and they had marketed that their products were not for girls. And I, I, I remember telling my sister that she can't eat them because they're not for girls. Mm -hmm. uh, but then more recently I've, I've kind of read a lot about that kind of marketing and how it was, obviously not the greatest idea and it wasn't seen very positively on on Yorkie as a brand uh, we also had within intellectual property the the issue of Aldi and, and Marks and Spencers and the cat caterpillar cake which which you may recall and I mm -hmm. think everyone at one point was speaking of and that in itself was an intellectual property infringement claim um, and maybe Aldi were possibly not going to be on the on the on the right side of things there if if it did go to a court and eventually a decision was made but what they did was they turned the situation around through uh, public communication through their marketing and it was really interesting how they did that um we at, at briffa we we often represent smes the smaller companies small to medium enterprises and and we look at public uh, perception quite uh, important uh, as something that's quite important is there such thing as as bad publicity in your view yes there is uh, but there are some brands that embrace it uh, the brew dogs the Ryanairs of this world their view is any publicity is good publicity and they will be cheeky and they will run activities that, that do not go down well um, number seven or number eight at the moment on the Netflix chart is Pepsi where's my jet uh, this relates to a campaign from about 25 years ago where they did a collector scheme uh, where you could get uh, hoodies and track bo tracksuit bottoms and hats if you collected ring pulls. But at the top end, for 7 million ring pulls, you would get a Harrier jump jet. Uh, and then some guy actually managed, uh, or he applied, he claimed. Uh, there was a bit of a loophole where rather than just ring pulls, you could also pay a financial contribution of 10 cents per ring pull. So he sent a check for $700,000 and said, where's my $32 million jump jet? Um, 
huge amount of publicity, negative publicity for Pepsi. Um, it went to court and then it went to court again, people suing everybody else. He didn't get his jump jet. Oops, sorry, spoiler alert. Um, was it bad publicity? Yes, it was. Um, uh, we worked with Pepsi and that, that was 25 years ago. And my account director who works on Pepsi says, please don't mention it now. Uh, well, I've just mentioned it um, because he doesn't want that bad publicity. But there are certain brands that will go out and they will do stunts. Uh, look at the World Cup. Uh, Budweiser, the, the official sponsor. But do you think all the other beers are going to say we're not going to get involved in the World Cup? Mm. Of course, they get in, in, involved in the World Cup. They do guerrilla marketing. The question is, how close to the edge can they go before they breach the license agreements that, that, that exist with FIFA, before they breach trademark issues? Um, and that, that is a challenge for you as a lawyer and for us as practitioners to monitor and to make sure that they don't fall over that edge. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was going to come to that in the sense where uh, one common factor in what we do here at Briffa and, and what you do at Promo Veritas is, is dealing with various forms of intellectual property in, in, in promotions, be that the, the copyright that subsists in, in the music for advertising or uh, the artwork that's used or the trademarks that it covers. Um, how important do you think it is to be aware of intellectual property when, when marketing? And is it something that uh, marketing teams often look at? Is it, is it at the forefront of, of their hmm. uh, thought process, do you think? It's as much as the forefront of their minds as lavatory paper is. Uh, no, it's not. It has to be at our, uh, in, the, in our forefront. Um, the worst type of promotion that we like is uh, UGC, user-generated content, where um, on TikTok, uh, here's a, uh, pick a soundtrack and do a dance, and then the, you're, the, best, the best one will be judged and you win a prize. But the problem with that is the copyright music. Uh, they pull up any old track that they want, um, and that is seriously dangerous um, because it's reputational for the brand. Uh, the Beatles will, or Apple Music or whoever owns the license now, will, will, will sue if, if Let It Be is used as a dance track unofficially. Um, so we're very, very aware of that. And we have to tell clients, no, you can't do that. Um, some clients insist on doing it, in which case we have to get a waiver from them. Uh, but generally, we've tried to find another way. So we would go out and license 10 tracks. Um, and then you have to dance to one of those 10 tracks. That would be the solution we would find. Um, so that, therefore that makes it legitimate um, but copyright is 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 important whether it's in a headline um, so we've seen uh, let's do it as a headline in, in a promotional campaign which is a bit too close to just do it which is Nike's um, so we have to use a briffer uh, to come along and double check and make sure that uh, that would be okay for that particular category yeah absolutely and um, I know another service that, that you've begun to offer at Promo Meritas is a clearance service as well, a trademark clearance service. Um, how's that been taken with the team and, and how, how important do you think that would be? We started that because we ourselves have created a number of product, pro products and we've named them. So we have Promo Data, Promo Entries, Promo Insight, uh, and these are all part of our digital offering. And we felt that we wanted to protect those. So we came to Briffa and, and you have done the trademark for, for us for those. Uh, and then from that, it became clear that actually we need to, to monitor what the uh, point of sale, the advertising, uh, the packaging that our clients are doing to make sure that they're not treading on anyone else's toes. Um, so a simple arrangement with you provides us with a one-stop shop um, and uh, a quick turnaround. Excellent. Yeah. 
and and I guess quite important to ensure that any uh, use of any brand names or, or or logos are done in a manner which doesn't infringe anyone else's and and the sooner you can search and clear any any trademarks the sooner you can get going without the risk of infringement and claims so absolutely. well i'm very proud that in our 20 years of operating and we do about 14 or 1500 campaigns a year for clients uh, we have never had uh, any legal issues whatsoever um, the only activity that we've ever had a problem with is ironically relating to your area where on our website our own website um, i put up an image of um, sainsbury and singsbury Singsbury, which was some fellow in the Midlands who opened a supermarket under the, his own name. His name was Mr. Sing, so he called it Singsbury. And we, we put that up to make a point about passing off and a bit like the Caterpillar and Aldi, etc. Uh, and unfortunately, that photograph was actually protected. Uh, and so we got a note from Kodak saying, please pay the fee, <laughs> which we clearly did. Uh, but in 20 years, that's the only incident we've ever had. So we are mindful of those sort of things ourselves. Excellent. Jeremy, that, that concludes the, the, I suppose, the detailed questions, but um, one thing that I had warned you of earlier. Quick fire rounds. Quick fire rounds, and, and here we go. This is always fun. Um, you're obviously not aware of what I'm going to ask, so, so it'd be brilliant to uh, really get your first reactions and, and, and see what you think of these questions. So to begin with, I mean, you, you've touched upon some of the fantastic promotions you've covered. What would you say is the wackiest promotion you've been involved in? Does your pack moo? For Dairyly, they wanted something weird and wacky. And whilst I've said in previously we don't normally create an idea, actually that did come from me, which was um, basically we would replace a triangle in a pack of Dairyly with a light-activated sound chip, triangular-shaped, um, and then secretly distribute it around stores around the country, 20 of these. If you found one and you took the lid off, it would actually light activate and play a sound chip. Moo! Congratulations, you've won £10,000. Uh, and so um, we had to create that. We had to accommodate health and safety, food regulations, children, all of that. Um, and uh, it launched, and I'm proud to say it became the promotion of the year, according to the industry, uh, for that year. Excellent. And out of 20, um, strangely, not all of them were claimed. Somewhere out there, there are people that just either didn't believe it or didn't claim. They're 10,000. Might be in a museum somewhere at this moment. Although, on, on that point, I remember attending your offices and, and, and seeing this very product there in your it's office real. as well. Absolutely. Um, what promotion would you say has, has been exceptionally successful that, that, that you've worked with? We ran a campaign in Nigeria for Guinness, uh, which was to fly into space. Um, and the trip actually is a trip on the Virgin Galactica, which is the, wow. the Virgin spaceship, which has yet to carry paying passengers. Uh, and we ran it about five or six years ago. And there is a woman in Nigeria who is still waiting for her flight up. Uh, but in terms of success, the number of ring pulls that they got, of bottle caps it was, wow. uh, was absolutely phenomenal. Um, that exceeded their expectations by about two and a half times. Amazing. I should have covered in my introduction 60 plus countries and outside of, of Earth as well. Other and outside of Earth, it. yes. Excellent. Um, from a personal perspective then, what are you most proud of? Less so of the promotions and more of the people. Hmm. Um, I never started, we, we employ now 40 odd people. 
um, and I'm sorry, take out the word odd, uh, 40 <laughs> wonderful people. Uh, uh, but uh, over time, we probably had 120 people come through our doors. Uh, and I'm very proud of the progression that people have come in. Some have come straight from university without actually having any knowledge about what career they wanted. Um, some were relative beginners, such as yourself. And uh, we gave you we gave you, and we've given others a, a grounding. Uh, and when they leave, if it's for the right reason, I'm exceptionally proud. And we have a sort of alumni club. Um, mm -hmm. And it's quite nice. And some of those people that have left us have, are, are now clients. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm most proud of, I suppose. It's really nice. Um, this is an interesting one. If you could go back to any time in history for one day, when, where would you go and why? I'd probably go back to somewhere around August 1914 uh, on a street in Sarajevo. And I would try to prevent the shooting of Franz Ferdinand, which started the First World War. Because there was no single incident that caused the Second World War, but there was a single incident that caused the First World War and, and cost the lives of 40-odd million people. Mm. Um, and if I could prevent that, I think I would feel better. Yeah. Something about you that people would be surprised to learn? Magnets. Okay. I love magnets. Uh, when I was a kid at home, I got into trouble with my parents because the cupboards had magnetic latches. And I used to take the magnets off and the cupboards would, wouldn't, wouldn't stay closed. And my, my father would tell me off because I was playing with the magnets and I still love magnets. I, f I, I find the invisible power that keeps them together or pushes them apart. It's invisible. I can't see it, but I know, I know what it does. Uh, I love that. And the way that they, they're so useful around the house. Um, uh, and I use them in lots of different ways. Excellent. Finally, who do you admire and why? Uh, I'm, I'm my wife. Uh, you're, you're going home after this, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she went through the bereavement of her first husband and managed to bring up three kids um, who excel. Um, uh, she battles on and she works every day. She's a, a chef and cookery writer. Uh, she's a trooper and uh, she's incredibly resilient. Uh, but I suppose in a more mainstream world, who do I admire? Adele. Oh, interesting. Um, I was in Las Vegas last week and I did try to get a ticket to her concert, but a thousand pounds was a bit too much. But I think she's, she came, came up the ranks, uh, was a slow burn um, and has managed her career with exceptional talent, um, releasing records when we're all hungry for them after a three, four year gap um, and uh, has um, made an incredible success and so distinctive and so powerful and that she writes most of that music and that she's produced so much of it um amazing talent mm. great well thank you so much jeremy thank you for joining us our guest today was jeremy Sturt. thank you for listening to Britfuss soundbites you can subscribe to our podcast on spotify apple and google podcasts we're also on facebook twitter linkedin and instagram you can get in touch with us by visiting briffa.com.